You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Forty years ago yesterday, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Forty years ago. It's a long time. And so I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allude to that fact in just a moment as, as I reflect on what Psalm chapter 23, how Psalm 23 plays a part in, in me celebrating 40 years as a believer. This morning we're going to lay a foundation. Verse 1, verse 1 of Psalm 23 makes it possible... For all the other verses to have meaning. But, but before we can really consume and believe and experience Psalm 23, verse 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, we got to have buy-in to verse 1. we got to understand it. we got to make sure he is our shepherd. And so I want you to listen because 3,000 years ago there was a little shepherd boy. A little shepherd boy. Who wrote a psalm. He actually wrote a lot of psalms. But the one for which we know him the most for is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 has brought more comfort. Psalm 23 has brought more peace. Psalm chapter 23 has brought more fulfillment to the people of God. Through the ages than almost any other passage of scripture in the Bible. And that's saying a lot. And at the end of the day, the Psalm 23 that David wrote is really a testimony. It's as if David is laying out the benefits of the Christian life. I want you to to think about that. Because for 40 years, if if I've been a child of God, I've been experiencing the benefits of the Christian life. And so I want to make a bold statement this morning. Because I believe that the abundant Christian life, when it's really, really lived to its fullest. Now, I'm not talking about the carnal Christian life. I understand that's that's oftentimes what we find people living. A life that is marked by constant sin and shame and guilt. I'm not talking about that kind of life. And I'm not talking about the lukewarm Christian life. And a lot of Christians live that life. It's kind of like on the fence you know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of half in and half out. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, God's okay sometimes and sometimes he's not. And I just kind of, I kind of go with the flow and wherever the wind blows, that's kind of my, the extent of my Christian commitment. I'm not, I'm not talking about that Christian life. I'm talking about the abundant, victorious, overcoming Christian life that is so far superior to anything that a human being could ever experience, that it is really not even worthy to be compared. That's the kind of life I'm talking about. So if you need a worship God this morning, if you'd lift your hand up, our ushers will get you a worship God so you can begin to fill in these notes and, 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 and take in the message. Because let me tell you something, the abundant Christian life that I've experienced for the past 40 years is no joke. It's no joke. I mean that. This is not something that I, I've experienced, you know, for the first five years. And the next six years, it was kind of a bummer. And then for a couple of years, I, and then for the... No, no. I mean, 
This victorious Christian life that I'm talking about is something that for 40 years I have had the privilege of, of knowing and experiencing. And, and I, I believe many of you have too. Some of us need to be reminded again. And that's what Psalm 23 is all about. Honestly, I believe that. It is all about the benefits of being a sheep to a shepherd. We're going to lay a foundation this morning to those lavish benefits. So let me give you a little background. Okay, here we are in a portion of Scripture that I believe no other portion of Scripture in the Old and the New Testament is so universally celebrated by believers and by non-believers more than the Psalm 23. You know, obviously believers have celebrated this Psalm and, and you won't find very many funeral homes or churches that house home-going services for those saints that have gone on before that, that don't quote Psalm 23. It's kind of the go-to passage. Unless someone requested other passage of Scripture, it's pretty much just a given that we're going to put Psalm 23 in the program. I mean, Psalm 23 is just a very unusual passage of Scripture that nearly every person on the planet has at least a surface familiarity with it. I mean, at least they know something about it. They, they usually can quote part of the passage. You can say maybe the Lord is my shepherd and then they go, oh yeah, I know that. I shall not want. They've seen it. They've heard it. They're familiar with it. I would dare say that everybody in this building is very familiar or at least in, in, a, in, a, in a surface way, you're familiar with this passage. It's not new to you. It's brief. It's six verses long. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, preacher, did you say four weeks? You're going four whole weeks on six verses? Preacher, it's going to get boring, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot of weeks to just, to just do six verses. It's not enough weeks. Oh, there's so much here. Are so rich, it's so lavish, it's so amazing that I'm actually, I'm actually having to stuff six verses into four weeks. It's just that good. There's so much in these six verses. David was said to be a man after God's own heart. And Psalm 23 is an example of that testimony. And so we're going to outline verse one today. And when I set out to outline this first verse, I thought, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to find out a way to say it. You know, and, and how, can I, how can I give a three-point outline? Maybe alliterate this outline. Maybe make it, maybe even rhyme some of the words. You know, preachers try to do a lot of things sometimes to make it interesting and to keep it exciting. But at the end of the day, I thought, I really can't say it any better than God says it. And so my outline is rather simple and yet profound. Number one, I shall not want. I think we have to go there first. Before we get to the Lord is my shepherd, let's skip and go to part two of this phrase, of this verse. I shall not want. Now, under I shall not want, I actually have three main thoughts. My first thought is this. That statement, that amazing statement, I shall not want, is first of all, it is a statement of how God supplies. I shall not want. It's a powerful statement. In fact, 
let's, let's, let's ask ourselves this question. It might be better said this. I shall not want what? What is it that I shall not want? Well, there are other scriptures that assert this very same thing. It's not an isolated promise. This is a promise. We're, we're understanding here that if God is our shepherd, that supposedly we won't want anything. Or we'll want things less and less as we get to know him more and more, right? So, so if that's a, a, a just a one-time thing, then, then maybe it wouldn't be as powerful. But it is not an isolated promise. You're going to find this all throughout Scripture. Four quick examples would be Psalm 84, verse 11, where he says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing does God withhold. You're going to find with me this morning that God is very interested in what you need. God's interested in it. There may be some other people interested in it, but I want to tell you, when God's interested in something, it doesn't matter what, what other people say. And God says, I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear Jehovah, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Everybody's familiar with Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, and here it is, all these things. Wow. That's strong. So if I seek God's kingdom first, man, I need to find out what all these things mean, because that's a lot of things. I, I can only imagine what that might mean. All these things will be added to me. God's concerned about your needs. Philippians 4.19 might be my all-time favorite. And God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, with a study on this verse, this thought of not wanting, we've got to understand, like in many passages of Scripture, there's been some false teaching. False teaching that sometimes really invades the church and the community of God. And we scratch our heads and think, oh, man, man, I, 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 I don't know if I quite understand this anymore because I, I'm being taught something that doesn't really line up with Scripture. And so I want to address some of that false teaching. Because as a result of some of the false teaching that's been t- taught about this, people are expecting God to do things that God never promised to do. So let's talk about what it does not mean. First of all, I shall not want. God is not promising to all of his followers wealth. There's some false teaching out there called the prosperity gospel. That if you're a good Christian, that if you follow Christ and you do the right thing, you will be wealthy. You'll be rich. I mean, think about it. Like King David was rich. Like Abraham was rich. Like Solomon was rich. The problem I have with that is, what about the apostles? What about John the Baptist? What about Elijah? What about Jesus himself who had actually no place to lay his head? You see, there is no correlation between prosperity or poverty in the gospel. None whatsoever. And so it is a false teaching to say that if if, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be wealthy. God promises that. Number two, God is not promising to all of his followers health. You see, some say that if you're sick, it's just a lack of faith on your part. It's your fault. You don't need to be sick because... 
you just need more faith. And if you had more faith, you wouldn't be sick. And all those prayer requests that pastor gave at the beginning, it's their problem. We just need to pray that God will give them more faith. The problem I have with that is the Apostle Paul himself said that he had some kind of physical infirmity that the Lord did not take away. God just did not take it away. And God does heal. Please know this, that God still heals. He is the healer, but not on demand. Not every person or all the time does God heal. So it's a false teaching to say that all the followers of God will always be healed if they truly have faith. And then God is not promising to all of his believers happiness. This is a big one. It doesn't mean that you'll never be discouraged. Let me stop here and say this just in case I might be right about this. Um, is Ken trying to get, because I think the air has, I see a lot of people fanning. Is Ken left to fix the air? Okay. If somebody could check on Ken Wagner, because I know we've had some problem with the air going on and off. Steve, could you do that real quick? Yeah, just check with him because I see people fanning and it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be fanning this morning. We should have good cold air. We had it the first service, so it might have clicked off. We've got a really old system and we have to babysit it. Is that cool or what? Don't you like that? You ever been driving in your car and all of a sudden the cold turns to like a wet feeling and you're like, it's like humid and you're like, oh man, and you check that. Yeah, that, we have to do that all the time here, all right? It's about a $250,000 fix to do something else. So we just feel led to keep babysitting. Okay, and uh, all right. It doesn't mean you'll never be discouraged. There's going to be hard times that are going to challenge your faith. In fact, there's going to be multiple hard times. You know why? Because God never promised it would be easy. In fact, he actually promised quite the opposite of that. I'm not always happy. I may seem to be a pretty joyful guy. I may seem to have a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. And I, and I do, and it's sincere. But it doesn't mean that at times I don't fight discouragement. And, and at times life isn't easy. And at times things don't come just really great. I mean, it just things happen and... God is not promising in the statement, I shall not want. To all of his believers, all of the time, happiness. In fact, Hebrews 12, 6 puts it like this. The Lord disciplines the one who he loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. One of the greatest ways to know that you are truly a Son of the living God. One of the ways to know that you are one of his sheep is to ask yourself this question. Am I chastised? Am I disciplined? Am I corrected? Does God at times make it difficult for me because he loves me and he wants me to straighten out? That's a good thing. And that happens to me often. So what does I shall not want actually mean? Well, first of all, it definitely means the basic needs of life. It's a statement of supply. So what are the basic needs of life this morning? Everybody should be able to know these. They're pretty simple. I'll give you the answers, although you could fill in the blank yourself. Food, right? That's the basic need. God promises that. Shelter, God promises that. And clothing, God promises that. He tells us in his word that, that food and shelter and clothing, the basic needs of life. But can I tell you, I believe the true meaning of this verse goes way beyond just the basic needs of life. The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, because he is my shepherd, I shall not want any other shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't 
I don't want another leader. I don't want another master. You see, the real meaning of I shall not want is the song we sang a moment ago in our worship segment. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything that I have, he's given me and he's enough. I don't need anything else but Christ. And that's what he's saying here. The expert care of my master Jesus is all that I need. I am completely content with how my shepherd manages my life. And I don't want anybody else managing my life but him. So it's a statement about supply. The supply of a shepherd. Not the supply of just food, shelter, raiment. You know why God is good? Because God is good. God is good, period. God is good. God is always good. He never makes a mistake. And if you're in his care, you're in the best possible care you could ever be in. With or without food, shelter, and clothing. Number two, it's a statement about self-control. I shall not want. Self-control. Think with me for just a minute about all the pain that has been caused by wanting. It's crazy. The reason why we have a nation in debt, why we have people drowning in credit card bills, is because they can't say no. They want, 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 want. And because we want something, we suffer the consequences and the pain of always wanting more. And we're never satisfied. And so the statement I shall not want is a statement of self-control. How many times have I talked to people, even in my little flock here, that have said, well, I wish, you know, I like hot springs, but really I wish I could live somewhere else. Or I wish I could, you know, uh, you know, I like living here, but I, I really, what I want to do is live on the lake. Or, well, I like this car, but I, I want another car and I want to experience this. And, you know, I just wish I would be somebody else. I wish I had that talent. I want this. I want that. And the pain that goes along wanting. This morning, I'm praying that the fresh air of the word of God will blow across your heart. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. To come to the place in your life where someone could say to you, hey, Look at this. Man, this is some... I'm good. I'm good now. Oh, but look at this car, man. This, would be, this is a dream car. Ah. I got wheels. Gets me to and fro. Big deal. Too much money. Oh, but you could live over here. So much more fun. You could do this, this. My family's here. I got people around me that love me. I got a church home. Why would I want to live somewhere else? I'm good. It's huge. This is huge. To come to that place that I have the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want another shepherd. He's taking care of me. It's a statement of supply. It's a statement of self-control. Thirdly, it's a statement of security. Notice the confidence in this little shepherd boy. I shall. I shall not want. He didn't say, I did not want. He didn't say, I do not want. To say, I did not want would be talking about the past to say I do not want would be talking about the present but he made a futuristic statement he said I shall not want in other words David had a goal 
And here was David's goal, church. His goal was to get to the place every day where he wanted less of what he wanted and more of what God wanted. It was a process. He was growing. And he was coming to a place as he grew, grew as a Christian. Look, I've been saved for 40 years. And the older I get, the less I want. It's the truth. I'm not even trying to be some sort of super Christian. I'm just being honest. I mean, I, I honestly, I have very little aspirations to have more in this life. The closer I get to heaven, the closer I get to Jesus, the less I want big houses and fancy cars and lots of money and lots of things. I'm like, what is that going to do me? I just want to have my family serving God. I want to be the kind of shepherd you need as a, as a pastor. I want, to, I want to love my family. I want to do the right things. And, and, and I say, you know what? I'm, my value system is changing. I'm growing. I shall not want. I'm getting there. And one day when I see him face to face, all I'm going to want is him. I'm going to look at streets of gold and gates of pearls and mansions. What was my problem down there? Why, why, why was I just so miserable all the time? Because I wanted more. If I'd only know all that God has. Then I'm going to see him face to face and think, wow. It's not even about the streets of gold and the gates of pearl and the man. It's about the nail scarred hands. It's about the fact that Jesus laid down his life for me. And so I shall not want is a statement of confidence. It's a goal that each of us are setting that every day we grow and we want less of what this world has to offer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's look at number two. Statement number two. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. That word shepherd. Let's focus in for just a moment on that word. Because over 200 times, including what Jordan read this morning in John 10, including that one, 199, including Psalm 23, 198, more times, get it? 198 more times is it mentioned that Jesus is our shepherd. It's a huge part of Scripture. In fact, it's the primary way that God deals with us. The primary way that God deals with his children is like a shepherd deals with his sheep. Sometimes we use other examples, but there is no greater example in Scripture than to figure out the Christian life by looking at him as our shepherd and we are his sheep. So, let's talk about it. Why do we need a shepherd? We need one, right? Everybody agree? You need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. But why? Here's why. We are his sheep. No reason to need a shepherd if we don't recognize that we're sheep. But you might say, well, I know, but I'm not a sheep. I mean, I'm a human. I I know, but God says you're like sheep. So you're not going to like this part. I don't like this part. Some of you, if you're going to take a nap, this is a perfect time to take a nap and miss the hardest part. So I'll wake you up in a few moments. (laughs) Three reasons why we need a shepherd. Number one, because they're prone to follow, and we are too. They're just prone to follow. I mean, they have a herding tendency, sheep do. Just just watch any picture of sheep in a in a film or in a documentary or in you know National Geographic television or just watch sheep. They they herd. They just They just follow 
let's go over here. This, this looks good over here. Well, there's a cliff over there. You know, it's probably not real far down there. <laughs> what over there? It looks good. Yeah, that's cool. Well, let's go over here for a while. It'll be fun. And we just follow. We just kind of go around. And we have a tendency to do that. I'm amazed at, at how easily sometimes sheep just sort of believe something else. We hear some kind of sermon. Oh, this is so cool. The guy was great. He said this and this and this. And we just kind of, that's good. Yeah, he said he's a Christian. He's got to be a good guy. And we just follow. We're prone to just follow. Number two, they are vulnerable and we are too. Vulnerable meaning they're weak. They're weak. Sheep are weak. There's not, not much about sheep that are strong. And I know sometimes that we, we puff ourselves up and we, we, we kind of want to act like we're, you know, we got this and, and, I, and we're stronger than, 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 than people probably really know. But that's kind of the, what we want to portray. But the, the fact of the matter is, is if we would just be honest, we're weak. We're prone to wander. We're vulnerable. You see, sheep are... In Isaiah 53, verse 6, if you look on the screen, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Vulnerable. We're weak. We, we're, we're not people who, who can seem to, to stay with things very easily. And, and, and we, we struggle all the time with, with things that we thought we had the victory over. We slipped right back into it. And, and we, we, we got over it, but we slipped right back into it. Why? Because we're sheep. That's why. I do it all the time. I'm never going to do this again. I do it again. I'm a sheep. I just, I'm, I'm vulnerable. I'm weak. I need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. Number three, they are stubborn. Told you you wouldn't like this. Don't wake up yet. They are stubborn and we are too. Listen, I know this about myself, but I also know this about the church I've pastored for 26 years. We're stubborn. We're stubborn. We want to do things our own way. And we hear the same stuff over and over and over and over again. But when we finally get desperate enough to need the information, we say to the pastor, why didn't you tell me before? I'm like, I've been preaching here for 26 years, and I've just been preaching the same stuff over and over. You know how many times I've preached on the family? Do you know how many times I've preached on husbands and wives? Do you know how many times I've preached on raising kids? Do you know how many times I've preached on all these things? I mean, like dozens and dozens, some subjects over 100 times. I just pretty much say the same thing in a different way, but the same stuff. I wrote down five things that I think I've said over and over again. You've heard it over and over again. But we're just stubborn. I know I've said this a thousand times if I've said it once. Be in the word and prayer on a regular basis or you're going to fail. I know I've said that a thousand times. I know I have. I know I've said, look, read the word, get in the word, memorize the word. I know I've preached entire messages on it because I know it's all throughout the word of God. That the word of God is powerful. It's quick. It'll, it'll keep us on the right path. If we memorize it, it'll, God will feed us through his word. And, and if we'll pray and seek the Lord, it's the most powerful tool known to mankind. And yet it's the one thing that we keep letting get away from us. The hardest thing for men to do is to pray with their wives. 
So guess what? We just don't do it. We just don't pray. We don't read the word. And you say, well, pastor, but, but, well, I mean, I know I should do that. But we're stubborn, aren't we? Number two, keep short accounts. I know I've said this a thousand times. Don't let bitterness invade your heart. If someone hurts you, forgive every time. Forgive. That's what God's word says. Bitterness will destroy you. Unforgiveness will destroy you. We've got, to, we've got to learn this and get this and not live our entire lives with this bitterness and this hatred and this anger. That, that, and then our lives get away from us and we're old and angry and grumpy and bitter and because we haven't dealt with it. And if you remember this church, it isn't because you haven't heard it. We're stubborn. I'm stubborn. Be accountable. Be accountable to someone. You can't make it alone in the Christian life. You have to be connected to other believers. Get in a small group. I know I've said it a thousand times. You've got to be connected. You can't just slip in on a Sunday morning and slip out until next Sunday. That's not going to work. That's not going to get it. You've got to have people around you. Support, prayer, a good friend. Someone that you can count on, someone you can tell the truth to, someone you can be honest with, a group of people who you can say, man, I am struggling. Would you pray for me? You can't do it alone. This morning, Julie McLean woke up to find out her mother had passed away today. Julie's not here today. She's grieving at home. And I just found out before the service and I thought, man, she can't do that by herself. We can't let her grieve alone with her mother living so far away. How many ladies in this church could call Julie and say, text Julie and say, I'm praying for you. I love you. She has a small group, so I'm sure they're going to overflow her with love. That's awesome. This is what I'm talking about. We can't live this life alone. We can't bear the burdens alone. We must have a supporting group of people called the local church. Don't try to figure this thing out by yourself. Number three, four. Protect your marriage. It takes time, 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 time to have a strong marriage. If, you're, if you don't put time into your marriage, it's not going to be strong. That's the truth. I, I, I've said it over and over again. You, how you fell in love is how you stay in love. And if you've been married as long as I have for 30 years, I can assure you it takes time. More time now to have a strong marriage than it did to, to, to catch that little girl. But I know I did everything I could to catch her. I spent time with her. I, I, I built a strong foundation and, and we fell in love. And the reason why people fall out of love is they stop doing that. They stop spending time and they drift and drift. And how sad it is to hear more than ever before now folks married 30 and 40 years are getting divorced. I don't even know the person I'm married to anymore. We just don't spend any time together. And I've said it over and over again. It's true. You've got to believe me. You've got to start this. You've got to stop spending so much time apart. You've got to get less busy. You've got to cut stuff out of your schedule, man. You've got to make home a priority, and your wife's got to be a priority. Number five, if you want your kids to grow up and love and follow Christ and worship the Lord with you, you must stay actively involved in their lives. You can't ever get disconnected. You can't ever get too busy. Listen, when you have children, your life changes. 
Your hobbies change. Your schedule changes. Your decisions change. You, 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 you can't live the same life when you've got these precious gifts called children. You've got to look at your life and say, okay, how am I going to... These take a lot of time. I mean, listen, and when they get to be 27 years old like Mo, they still take a lot of time. Mo and I went to dinner last night and we spent about two, three hours together talking. We didn't have one lapse in the conversation. It was nonstop. The waitress had to interrupt us several times to find out if we wanted more water because we were just yep, 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 yep. Every question I asked him, he, he wanted to share and open his heart. It doesn't matter how old our kids get, but how much more important is it when they're 13 to 18? Their bodies are changing and their lives are changing and they're all of a sudden making friends and listening to music and, 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 and we all of a sudden say, that's none of our business. It's every bit of your business what your kids listen to and who their friends are. It's every bit of your business. Because if you want to know something that will change your kid's heart more than anything, it's the music they listen to and the friends they have. You've got to know that stuff. You've got to be involved. And, and you have to say, hey, what are you listening to? Let's, let's, let, let me hear it. And then talk about it. Don't throw the phone against the wall or throw a fit or turn into a rage and start practicing things that drive your kids away. But just say, look, I understand. It's out there. Let's talk about it. Is that pleasing to the Lord? What about these friends? Why is it that you don't feel comfortable or you're discerning about a certain situation? Or what if you want to meet the parents or you want to talk to the kids more and you want to get to know them and you want to make sure this is a good situation? Is there anything wrong with that? No, that's actively involved in your kid's life so they will continue to worship with you and serve the Lord. It just takes time. You got to listen to them. The Lord is my shepherd. This is how God deals with us. Look at it. It's all through scripture. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. That's what God does with us. He, he tends to us. He gathers us, gathers us in his arms. He carries us in his bosom. He gently leads us. He's involved in our lives. Big time. Micah 5, 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Mark 6, 34, and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. God himself said on several occasions in the Gospels that one of the things that broke his heart was people trying to navigate their way through life without a shepherd. John 10, 11, read this morning, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The Lord is my shepherd. And over and over again, Christ reveals himself in scripture like a shepherd. Over and over again. So how is Christ like a shepherd? Are you ready? Here's how it is. Number one, he leads us. That's how he's like a shepherd. He leads us. He's always out front. Notice, a shepherd is never behind the sheep. He's never on his cell phone texting while the sheep are. No, he's not golfing over here. He's got sheep. And I can't lead them from behind because they, they'll go just about anywhere. They follow anything. They're vulnerable. Guess where the shepherd goes? Check it out. He's always in front. He's always leading. Not sure about that. Could be dangerous. I think I'll go there first before the sheep. Because a shepherd leads. He always leads. There is no 
There's nothing that comes into your life that the shepherd has not already covered that terrain. He's already been there. He, 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 he's, he's checked it out and he's like, okay, let's go. We're okay now. This is going to be okay. He leads us. The shepherd always goes first. Number two, he protects us. He protects us. Why? Because sheep are vulnerable to weather. They're vulnerable to thieves. They're vulnerable to danger. And so are we. Amen. I know I am. How many times have I got myself in situations without any question, I should have died. I I, I shouldn't have made it. I I should have got in a car accident. And when I get to heaven, I can't wait. I think we're all going to have our own little movie theater. It's going to be cool. It's going to be like Erica Pacey's life. Come and see. It's going to be great. We've recorded the whole thing. Check it out. Of course, it's not going to be the mistakes I made because those are all gone, 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 gone. Amen. That's right. But I think it's going to be like this. Come and see Erica Pacey's life. It's going to blow you away how I protected him. The guy was an idiot so many times. He was just a weirdo. I mean, you can't believe it. He would try to drive through the night, fall asleep. I mean, he was just, hey, he thought he'd be texting while he was driving. That's, that's so wrong. And yet, one time he was driving down the road, and you're going to be watching this with me. All of you guys are going to be there in the movie theater and Erica Pacey's life, and, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be watching this, and sure enough, there I am going off the road straight towards a tree, and it's over. And yet, somehow, I got back on the road, and I didn't see it, but in the movie, it's going to show the angel that did that. Oh, oh, God, that's the coolest thing. You did that for me? How many times? You have no idea, Eric. How do you think you made it to 53? On your own? For the times I decided to do something I shouldn't do. Times I decided to do it on my own and dabble with that sin that would destroy me, destroy my marriage, destroy my church. And God intercepted that by sending someone to step in between me and them, that sin, and say, I love you too much to do that. And in the movie, I'm going to see the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, go talk to pastor, talk to him, tell him you love him, tell him you're concerned about him, tell him you're praying for him, get his attention, he's not doing so well, you see? It's not us, and it's not you. It's him. He's guiding us. He's leading us. He's protecting us. It's amazing, and we're going to see all this one day, and we're going to be so amazed that we had a shepherd. Number three, he feeds us. The word of God. The word of God is what he feeds us, and here's the beautiful thing about the word of God is this is just a sampling of what you're going to eat this week. This is just a sampling of the Word of God this week. You see, last night I took Mo out to dinner, and guess what? I'm not eating again until next Saturday night. It was just so good. I mean, we had a great time. Good conversation, good food. We left full, and I'm good to... Actually, I just lied. In fact, I actually ate something last night. My wife brought home pastelitos. From the party for Michaela. <laughs> Who was there at Michaela's party? Anybody? Oh, is Michaela here? Oh, you were there, Michaela? Did your mom dig it? Thank you. 
They were great. I ate pastelitos last night at about 10 o'clock. I'm paying for it now, but it was worth it. You say, what's a pastelito? Oh, you haven't lived. I, I ate one last night. This morning I woke up, I had breakfast. I'm going home today to eat a big lunch. Guess where I'm for lunch? Mexican. I'm so glad my son married a Mexican, whatever she is. Spanish, Mexican, Honduras. I'm not sure where she's from. Ecuador, something. But it's going to be beans. And she came over yesterday, didn't she? And did, did, no, you, you did that. Okay, okay, okay. Well, believe me, if my wife made them, it's only because she learned from Susanna. But Susanna's touch. Listen, if Susanna is fixing beans, I'm in. I'm in like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we won't talk about what beans do, but they do, they do share things with you. Other people get to experience the benefits of the beans. But um, <laughs> listen, I told you if you could make it through the hard part, it would get fun, okay? My point is, is this, is that I am going to eat all week long. I'm going to eat lunch. I'm going to eat tonight. I can't wait to eat the nut more. I love to eat. In fact, I tend to look to, right when I finished eating, it's crazy. I'm not as bad as Zoe. Like Zoe, while he's eating, says, like he's eating lunch and well, eating. And what's for dinner? I mean, like, what? Son, can you, can you enjoy lunch? Yeah, sure. I just curious. What's for dinner? I just, I'm serious. It's crazy. He's already thinking about the next meal. What about the Word of God? Are we thinking about the next time we're going to be with God? Or is it like this? Well, hon, how's good? Can't wait till next Sunday. Our uh, preacher sure does a lot of study and he gets, his, gets a message ready for us. Let's just pray for him this week that he'll have one ready next Sunday. Or, or, or could it be that maybe tomorrow morning you'll get to study in Psalm 23 and you'll send me an email. Preacher, listen, I was in the Bible this morning studying some of what you preached and I think I found a couple of things you might have not seen. I want to share these with you so you could. And I'm going to be like, thank you. I mean, I don't have a corner on the market of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't, I don't find all the. There's things you'll find that I won't find because we're all looking and, and it's a gold mine. I mean, this thing is rich. Don't wait till next Sunday. Get in the Word. He feeds us. And then number three, and I'm done. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to focus on the word my. He's my shepherd. Meaning this. In order for the Lord to be your shepherd, you have to make a personal decision. He can't just be your shepherd because I preach this. He can't be your shepherd because you read Psalm 23. Doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah, I know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. But that doesn't mean he's your shepherd. It has nothing to do with it. It just tells us the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. But how do we know he is our shepherd? Well, number one, we know that if we are his sheep, he is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So, everything else. So if we don't get this, then we might as well not even read the next five verses because they don't really matter if he's not our shepherd because this is the benefits of him being your shepherd. So how do we know this? Well, to do that, I want to look at John 10, 27 on the screen. This is how you can know. My sheep, this is Jesus. My sheep, Jesus says, hear my voice. So number one, you know he is your shepherd if you hear his voice. So this morning, 
Has it been a moving experience for you this morning to be under God's Word? Have you felt in your spirit that God is speaking to you through His Word? Let me put it like this. Have you been stirred this morning? Stirred, you know. Stirred by His Word. Do you sense this morning that God is speaking to you about certain things already about the message? Maybe it's your family. We talked about that. Your, your, your marriage. Or maybe it's reading your Bible or praying. Or maybe it's, it's just really diving into God's Word. But, but you, you are here this morning stirred in your spirit. You're kind of excited about what's going to happen next. And you, maybe, maybe you're already excited about next week because you've been hearing His voice. Or, what are you talking about? I mean, actually, I've been thinking about work tomorrow. You've actually preached way longer than I thought. I asked them how long you preached. They said like 30 minutes. You've been like 40 already. When are you you done? In about five minutes, I'm done. (laughs) What are you hearing this morning? Are you hearing his voice? Is he speaking to you? Because that's how you know you're his sheep. Because my sheep hear my voice, he said. Number two. Look at the verse again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So number two, you know you are his sheep. He is your shepherd. If one, you hear his voice. And two, do you follow Jesus? Do you follow him? Is he your leader? Is he your master? Is he your shepherd? Now, wait a minute. You might be thinking this morning, well, you know, I got some bad news, preacher. I do follow him, but I do a lot of things wrong. I make a lot of mistakes, and sometimes I slip up, and sometimes I fall. No problem. Gotcha. I do it too. A just man falls seven times, and what does he do every time? He rises up. He gets up. So it's okay to fall, but the question is, do you get back up and follow? Because if you get back up and follow, that's really all Jesus is is interested in. As long as you're following. Not if you're perfect. Not if you do everything just right. Not if you always dot every I, cross every T. Not if you act better than everybody else. God knows the truth. He knows that's a big, you know, bunch of junk. He knows we're all in this thing. Sinners saved by the grace of God. Striving to be a little bit better. Do our best. Striving to live under His grace. I mean, we're not perfect. God knows that. Let's quit joking, kidding ourselves. But do we get back up and follow him? Do we repent and follow him? That's what he's saying here. Do you hear his voice? Do you follow? Because if you do, he's your shepherd and you're his sheep. You see, this is so important. I'll be honest with you. The next three messages, I've already finished two. I'm working on the third, which would be the fourth message. Man, they're good. I can't wait. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I've been preaching these to like my secretary already. I'm like, Gary, this is so good. They're going to love it. But I didn't feel that about the first one. About the first one, I thought, I just need to survive this one. Because this is a little tougher. This, this, this is the one that makes the difference with the next five verses. Because if this isn't your heart's cry, if the Lord is not your shepherd, if you're not moving in the direction of not wanting anything but Him, if that's not your desire this morning, then I really need you to consider the condition of your soul. And are you following Jesus? Do you hear His voice? Could it be this morning that someone here would say, Pastor, I, I, I need to speak with you or someone this week about 
be one of his sheep. I want him to be my shepherd. Beautiful. I've got time for you this week. In fact, I'll, I'll cancel something to talk to you. If you want to talk after the service, schedule something after the service. If you want to come forward and, and, and just immediately at this moment turn from your sin and trust Jesus. I mean, wherever you're at, whatever the process for you is, wherever you're standing right now, what knowledge you have, come to Christ. Make that first step. That's all he needs you to do. Make him your shepherd. And if he is your shepherd, then be here early next week. Because we're about to explore the benefits of being one of his sheep. And it's awesome. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. And we have finished on time. So we've got just a moment. And what we do here at Gospel Light is, is we, we have a response time, we call it. It's, it's a... It's a time where we have a chance just to really meditate for a few moments as, as opposed to just walking out. We take a few moments and we just reflect and we, we, we search our hearts and we maybe ask ourselves this question, okay, am I, am I one of his sheep? And if not, someone may determine they need to come forward. And Brother Doug, Brother Butch, Pastor Doug, Pastor Butch, myself, will be at the altar. We'd love to help you take that step into that family called the family of God. Others may just need to come and pray and you, you just feel like you need to isolate just for a moment yourself with the Holy Spirit and let him do spiritual surgery in whatever area it is that, that he stirred in your heart this morning. So you may need to come and the altars are open. You may need to stand and sing and worship as we sing love on the line or you may just want to sit and pray with a spouse or a friend or it's your choice you you respond as the holy spirit would have you to respond but we are here up front if you need prayer father i love you and i thank you again for this wonderful service and for how you're working in our church and how you're working in me god i don't feel like i'm the same person that i was a year ago i just i just so thankful today that i'm I'm moving in a direction that, Lord, I believe is one day going to end up at your feet when you make all things well. But until then, God, may we all, may we all submit ourselves to our great shepherd who cares for his sheep. Thank you, God. Please, may Psalm 23 come alive, come alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?